Amen. Well, you know, God, God wants you blessed, and you believe that, don't you? You, you believe God wants you blessed? Well, I, I heard a couple do. Thank God for two people. But <laughs> let's try that again. You, want, you believe God wants you blessed? Yes. He does. But blessing, you know, so many times people go right to money. You say, God wants you blessed. Well, they think about money. How many know that it's a lot more than money? I'm telling you, I've, I've been where I had no money, but I still blessed. Amen? I've been when I had some money and I, I had to believe God for blessing because the blessing you couldn't get with money. So praise the Lord. God wants us blessed. But he tells us, he tells us how to do things his way. And uh, we're going to talk about this this morning. And I, I quoted this, uh, I quoted from the scriptures while ago during an offering about seed time and harvest. But it's just all through the Bible. Don't you know that? Genesis 8, 22. You know, it's good to bring your Bible and bring a notebook and take notes. You know, because this is your Bible school. You know that? This is where you're trained. And so you need to, the Bible says, study to show yourself approved of God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth. So praise God. I, I tell you, when, uh, when my daughter and Kim started going through stuff and helping me uh, try to get rid of some things, the things that are most pre- some of the most precious things are my notes that go back 30 years, 40 years. But I can get back in those and I can learn and hear again what God said. Genesis 8.22 says, While the earth remains... How many know that the earth is still here, right? (laughs) Seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. As long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest. That's talking about natural seed time and it's talking about spiritual seed time. It's going to remain. It's going to remain. And uh, God has set that up in Mark 4. God, uh, Jesus t- tells a parable about the sower sows the seed. And he says, the seed is the word of God. Remember that? And it was sowed on different kinds of ground. But he tells them, he said, you know, most people can't understand this. But if you can understand this, you will succeed. If you can understand seed time and harvest. Hallelujah. Proverbs 10 says this. Poor is he who works with a negligent hand, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. He who gathers in summer is a son who acts wisely, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who acts shamefully. How many remember what it looks like around here in October and end of September? We've got lights on our tractors, right? On our combines, we've got lights. Because harvest is work. So you have to not only know how to sow into the kingdom, but you need to know how to harvest. Because if you don't know how to harvest, then your seed will go and be no good, right? Every farmer knows that he's got to sow so he can reap. That's what we talked about earlier. 
Ecclesiastes 11.4 says, He who watches the wind will not sow, and he who looks at the clouds will not reap. He who watches the wind will not sow, and he who looks at the clouds will not reap. Let me read that to you in a New Century Version. It says, Those who wait for perfect weather will never plant seed. <laughs> and those who look at every cloud will never harvest crops. You know, they don't want to harvest crop in rain. Is that right? Is that right? I mean, I'm not a farmer, so I'm looking for somebody that knows what I'm talking about. Is that right? You don't want to, you don't want to be harvesting in the rain. You need it dry. So it would ruin the seed if you're... Okay, I don't know much. I better shush. <laughs> I'm going to show my ignorance really fast. But he says, those who wait for perfect weather to plant seed <laughs> and those who look at every cloud... It says, those who look for perfect weather will never plant seed. Is that the truth? I'm telling you, you've got to have some faith to plant seed, don't you? And so if you're looking for perfect weather, you're not going to plant. But he says if you look at the clouds, you're never going to harvest. So how can we put that in our, into our everyday life? Well, we can say like this. Well, we can't do that now. Maybe God's telling you to sow into some, you know, maybe into some mission or even just giving your tithe, whatever. But how many have said this before? Don't raise your hand. But <laughs> you said, well, it's just not a good time. You know, with the economy, we better hold on to our money. I'm telling you, if you read the word of God, you'll find out that that's the worst thing you can do. Because God... He operates through seed time and harvest. Amen? And so he says, you know, he says you got to sow. You can't look for perfect weather. You can't look at every cloud. But we say things like this. Uh, you know, you've heard people say, well, it's always something. Something's taking my money. It's always something. If it's not one thing, it's something else. I'd like to give to that mission. I'd like to do that. I'd like to help that widow out. I'd like to help that new family out. I'd like to help that person. I'd like to help that charity. But you know what? If it's, My money just goes. I don't know where it goes. How many know Mark 11 talks about you can have what you say? So if you're saying, my, I don't know where my money goes, it just goes. Well, you're going to have what you say. But if you say, God, I thank you that money comes into my hand and you give me wisdom to know what to do. Actually, there's a scripture in the New Testament. Let me find it here. I think I've put down where it is. Talks about 2 Corinthians 9. says, uh, now this I say, verse 6, 2 Corinthians 9, 6. Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. <laughs> I remember years ago, my children were little. And so the children's ministry had this great idea to get a wheelbarrow and fill it with Smarties. At that time, we didn't have M&Ms up here. Fill it with Smarties and to demonstrate this scripture to the children. And 
they're going to fill it with Smarties and they were going to take a, a little cup and dip it in. And, you know, if you give, if this is, you give sparingly, this is like sparingly, a cup of Smarties. But if you give bountifully, you give a wheelbarrow full. They were going to demonstrate that. We went, no. <laughs> it's a great illustration. But for one thing, that's a lot of Smarties. That's where we had bulk barn and superstore. I mean, that would have been a lot of opening those little packages. But for another thing, can you imagine a group of 30 kids having that many Smarties and then you had to deal with them all afternoon? <laughs> Sometimes I think you got to talk to the children's workers and say, remember... They're going to go with their parents afterwards. <laughs> so we, we kind of shot that one down. But it really is, if I give sparingly, it's, a, it's, a, it's an ordinance of God. If I give sparingly, I can only reap sparingly. Is that right? A, a farmer can't go out and seed down one acre and then at harvest time come and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to harvest five acres. He, he can't. He will harvest what he planted, right? Now, it will multiply. You put in one seed, it's going to multiply. You're going to have more, right? If you plant corn, you plant one seed of corn, it's going to have a, one corn stalk is going to have a lot of seed on there, right? So that's how that works. But you've got to know that when you give bountifully, you're going to reap bountifully. So if I'm stingy, and I hold back, then I will only get stingy. Do you understand? Did I make that plain? But I have to have an open hand. You know, the Bible talks about that our hands are open to one another. I, I think that we have to learn to have open hands. Because that's why God wants to prosper you. That's why God wants to bless you. That's why God wants you out of debt. Is so that you have something to give to every good work. Have you ever heard of something or been in a meeting or got something in the mail and you went, oh man, I'd like to help that person. I'd like to help that missionary get that new truck over there in Africa. I'd like to help Vietnam. I'd like to help in the Philippines. But I just don't have it. You ever been there? I've been there. So what do we do? So we just say, well, when someone said to me, we're buying lotto tickets. This is a true story. We're buying lotto tickets every week so that when we hit the big time, we're going to give to the church. <laughs> I said, I, I can tell you something better. I don't know how much you spend on lotto tickets because I don't have a clue how much they are. But obviously you spend something. Put that into the kingdom and let God multiply it. Because the odds of them winning the big one are pretty slim. But this is a sure thing. Give and it shall be given to you. Good measure. Pressed down, shaken together. Shall men give unto you. Luke 6, 38, right? So we understand this. He says, let's go back to 2 Corinthians we were reading there. Each one must do just as he is purposed in his heart. You know, we're, thank God we're out of debt in this church. We don't owe anybody anything. We're so thankful for that. 
God, it's God that's increased us. It's God. We don't pat ourselves on the back and say, yay us. We know it's God and we're thankful. We're very thankful. But this church ties. North American Word Outreach, the mission organization, ties. Your pastors tithe. You see, there's some pastors think, well, we're not, we don't have to tithe. You do not have to tithe, by the way. Let me just make that clear. You don't have to tithe. You get to tithe. <laughs> Nobody's here saying you have to tithe. But we know it works to do that. Amen? So he says here that you have to purpose in your heart. You purpose in your heart. I don't purpose in your heart. I don't go and point somewhere and say, you're supposed to give this. I've been in meetings that was like Holy Ghost auctions. Who'll give me 100? Who'll give me 100? Oh, thank you. Who'll give me five? Who'll give me five? Okay, I got that. Who'll give me a thousand? Who'll, okay, I got that. I've been in meetings like that. That's not pleasing to the Lord. That's just flesh. That's a nice word, flesh. Because God wants you to purpose in your heart. You have to purpose in your heart. Why? Because, he says, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Amen? Have you ever, I don't know, have you ever bought something? Probably you men aren't like this, but women might. Have you ever bought something? You just thought, man, that's a good deal. I'm going to buy that. And then you get home and go, what did I just do? Let me look at that receipt, see if I can return that. That was really not smart. You ever done that? You did that under compulsion. The sale looked good. Your flesh said you, oh, you'd look good in that. I don't know. Do you men ever have that kind of thing? I don't, I just know. I can only speak for women. And only for myself, actually. I can't speak for Julie. But do you know that you can be compelled to give, and if it's not out of your heart, it's not the right way. God wants your heart. He's not wanting your money. He wants your heart. I was telling this on Wednesday night, but um, when, when we were in Loon Lake, when we first came to Canada, we didn't have a salary. No one paid us. Someone said, you know, what mission organization, organization sent you up? And we went, God. <laughs> well, who's paying you? God. And the people were putting in bullets and beadwork. Can't, can't pay the electric bill with bullets and beadwork. But we decided, you know what, we're going to give. And we would just every day go look for something to give. I, we'd go to our, our closets, we'd get something, we'd look in our house, we'd get something. Because we knew that the way out was to sow and we could reap. Isn't that right? So we didn't do it under compulsion, we were cheerful. So it says God loves a cheerful giver, you know. I remember years ago, we, we said God loves a cheerful giver, uh, you know, but he'll take money from a grouchy one. He wants us to give from our heart. What, whether it's money, whether it's time. You know, some people will do all their, you know, they do their Bible reading as a duty. You know, I have to read my Bible today. 
God wants you to read it because you want to read it. Amen? But, you know, there is time with discipline that you just don't want to read your Bible, but you, you know, you're disciplined to know you should read your Bible. But God is not making points. Okay, she got a point today. She read her Bible. Did she pray? Oh, how long did she pray? She gets two points. Did she call and encourage somebody? She gets another point. Now, God wants us to do things out of our heart. Amen. Not to try to make points with God. You are already loved by God. He can't love you anymore. He loves you to the fullest. Amen. If you never give, God would still love you. But it's for your benefit. You know, we say this a lot, but we're not trying to get something from you. We're trying to get something to you. I remember this, this uh, one of our first Christians at Loon Lake. Her Cree name was Nasaki Pak. And so <clears throat> she didn't speak Cree. I mean, she didn't speak English. I didn't speak Cree. So we were a great team when we were together. We were doing a lot of hand motions and stuff. <laughs> and I, I came up with some weird things I thought was Cree, and she would just laugh. <laughs> but you know what? She was, a, she, she was a widow. She didn't have much. And her children and her grandchildren were always coming to take her money. They were always there. As soon as the money came in, they were there. So she started coming to our house as soon as she got her check. She would come to our little, we just had this little shack house, and she would come there and she would give us, I remember, I remember the first time she gave us $300, you know, for the church, not to David and Brownie, but for the church. We said, no, wait, wait and give that at the church, bring it. She said, no, she talked to David, she was no use to talk to me, but <laughs> she said, no, my kids will get it if I don't give it to you now. That was the hardest thing for us to do is take her money. I would cry. I would say, God, she needs that $300. Jesus, just, I don't want to take her money. He said, she didn't give it to you. She gave it to me. And you cannot not take it because that's her seed. She is sowing seed. You have to let her sow seed. And once I got that in me, I could take it and pray over it right and believe God. You know, and God blessed her. God blessed her. Because she was so diligent to do what God did before someone else could get the money. You know, sometimes you have to give to the Lord before you can get the money. You know what I'm saying? Give to the Lord first. Give him first place. Amen? Praise the Lord. He says, God is able to make all grace abound to you. So that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. As it is written, he scattered abroad, he gave to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. God is able to make all grace abound to you. Do you know that you can pull on the grace of God to be a giver? Do you understand that? The grace of God is the ability to do something. God gives you the ability to do something you can't do. So in your brain, when you try to reason, well, can I do this or can I do that? God will give you grace to do what you need to do. Isn't that wonderful? He says he makes all grace abound towards you. All grace. 
That's wonderful that I don't have to try to get it together. That the grace of God is already there for me. Now he, he was, here's an important thing. Verse 10, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in everything for all liberality, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. Let's go back. God supplies seed to the sower. How many have been in services here where we've passed out money and made sure everybody had money? You've been in those services. You have to understand that wasn't us supplying you seed. That was God supplying seed. But how many of us have had like a special speakers coming and you want some extra money so you have to give to that special speaker? And you've asked God, God, I'm believing for uh, unexpected finances. You ever done that? And you've seen God bring it in. I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, two weeks ago, there was someone in the States that had a need, and I, I felt like I was supposed to sow into that need, and so I did. And uh, it was uh, $275 U.S., I don't even know what it was in Canadian. But I just said, praise the Lord, I believe I'm supposed to do that. So I did that. And that person said later that they, as soon as they got that, they went and they said, God, I'm praying that you give back to her speedily. Well, that was on Tuesday that I did that. And on Wednesday, I was here at the church. And uh, somebody, at the end of the service, somebody came up and put a wad of money in my hand. And, I, and I, I was already talking to someone, so I said, thank you. They said, happy birthday, and they gave it to me. I didn't look at it, and I looked at it later, and it was five $50 U.S. bills. That's 250 So I text this person back. I didn't know they had prayed that. I text them, and I said, God just blessed me with $250 U.S. And uh, they said, well, God still owes you at least $25 more. <laughs> I said, oh, okay. So I opened a card that I had, and it had $100 Canadian. That's better than 25 U.S. <laughs> That's over and above. So I text real, real quick back to that person. Guess what? I have over and above. See, God gave me unexpected finance. That, that money, that, that 250 U.S. came from somebody that's never given me anything. I would, I, it's not somebody that I would think would give me anything. It was unexpected finances. But that person that received the money, they prayed God give her some unexpected finances. And then somebody else had to hear God to get it to me, right? And then I had to believe God, okay, that God did supply seed to the sower. Amen? But it doesn't say just for sowing. He says, and bread for food. See, God's not just trying to bless you so he can get money back or so that you can give to all these other things. That's one thing. But he wants to bless you so that you have provision. Amen? Bread for food. I remember one time where we, we had this family and and uh, the children, I don't, three or four children, I don't remember how many they had, but 
the man was out of a job, the woman was out of a job. They had these children, and so we took food out to their they, their uh, place. And David and I took food out there. And the woman was weeping, like, thank you. We, you know, we had no food for the babies. And we took, you know, from the church. I mean, we took from the church and we went and blessed them. So the next service, a guy gets up and testifies. Well, you know what? God, God gave us some food and we went and gave it to all. You know, we were able to give all it away. And the woman sat there and wept with her head down. You see, they didn't discern what was seed and what was bread. You have to discern when God wants you to give and when God's trying to meet your need. Amen? So it's not wrong. Some people think it's wrong. Well, if someone gives to me, I better give it away. No. God supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. Amen? So God's going to take care of you and take care of the others too. Amen? So he does both. He's so good, isn't he? He's so good he does both. Then it says that he will increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in everything. Why? What's it say? You will be enriched in everything for what? All liberality. You know, the, the government is not the one that is supposed to take care of the poor. Scripturally, the church is. But we live in a culture that people look to the government. Oh, the government needs to give me this. The government needs to give me that. You know, don't make the government your source. Don't make your job your, job your source. The guy says, I'm working for a living. No, work for a giving. That's what the scripture says, you know. It says we're supposed to work so we have seed to give. You've got to change your attitude about money. Money is just a tool. God wants to prosper you in things that money can't buy. Money can't make your relationship better, but God can make it better. Many times money can't heal you, but God can heal you. You understand? This is not a money message. I don't want you to think it's about honoring God with our giving, whether it's giving of ourselves. You know, one of the greatest things you can do, if you're believing God for a job, one of the greatest things you can do is sow into somebody else. Come over and shovel snow at the church. Go to someone's house, shovel their snow. Uh, go, you know, take care of a single mom's children and say, you go have a day off. Let me take care of your children. Those are things that we can do without money. Amen? Because it comes from our heart. It comes from our heart. And so we can be liberal in every area. Christians are not supposed to be cheap. You know, this is a sad thing, but most waitresses and waiters don't like to serve Christians. You know why? They say they're the worst tippers. Isn't that terrible? We should be the best tippers. Because we serve a big God. You know, these people that just leave, and I don't know, I don't know anything about anybody in here, so I'm, don't think I'm talking to you. If this is talking to you, you deal, you know, you talk to God about this. I don't know anything about you. But I've been with people, 
And they've left a track, you know, like a gospel track for the waitress. You know, I'm not leaving money. I'm, this, is, this is more valuable than money. <coughs> if you stuck some money in it, she might read it. <laughs> but I was thinking this week about our tithe. You know, I remember when, uh, growing up, we were taught to tithe. We were, I mean, we weren't even born again, but we were taught to tithe. And I remember when our little church, little Methodist church, went through a big split because the pastor uh, decided he was going to preach at a black church that Sunday night. And Sunday afternoon, they had a big board meeting, and they, they told the pastor, if you do that, you'll never get any salary from us. And I remember standing there, that was the thing that really sent me away from God for a while, by the way. I, I remember being in that meeting. I was 18 or whatever. And I, I remember thinking, if that's what Christians do, if that's what we're like, I don't want to be a part. But my mama, she was a widow. She was working a minimum wage job. My mama said to me when we got out of that meeting, you want to go to church with me tonight? I said, where are we going? We're going to that church where our pastor's preaching. I said, I want to go. So we went, and they quit paying the pastor's salary. Do you know who paid the pastor's salary for the rest of his time in that little church? My mama. A widow who lived very poor. My mama. Because she said it's not right. But she would give and God would give back. She would give. She'd say, I don't know where the food came, but I got food. God took care of us. Because my mama said that's not right. You can't be a cheap Christian. We are to be liberal, amen? We are to be people that give openly, give freely. But you know what? You want to get from the place of being the one that always needs something to being the one that can give something. I wish I had time that you could hear some testimonies about the, uh, the, the uh, single moms group at Olive Tree. Uh, some of these ladies work with that. These, they started teaching the women to bring one, one thing, is that right? Like one can of food or whatever. I just heard a testimony of one of those women who she... Uh, she didn't have, she had, uh, she had two children and uh, they were special needs children and she didn't have money and she got mad when they said, we want you to bring something every service. She, she might be in the church today. I don't, I don't know. I don't see her. But if you are, you're a great testimony. She was mad, but she just did it anyway. And you know what God did? He started giving back to her. But she owed, I mean, like $100,000. And she started giving, and, it, and she found out that they hadn't been paying her right, like government assistance or something. I'm, kinda, I'm getting this story all messed up. But anyway, the government owed her a lot of money with income tax and with child credit, child benefits, you know. They, someone helped her. Now, they hadn't helped her before. Someone helped her, and she got like $76,000. And she was able to talk to the creditors, and she got down where she could pay the creditors off, completely off, because they lowered 
her payment, pay them off, and still have money that she's planning on doing something with, you know, investing in something to help her family. And not only that, she was living, was she living like in an apartment or something? And uh, she was on a list, she was way down on a list for a house. She started giving that one can of food and her children each gave one. When she said, we don't even have it, she's mad because they wanted it. But they, were te- they weren't, want- there again, they weren't trying to get something, they were trying to give something. So she got over being mad, she became a cheerful giver. And miraculously, they call her and her name has been put at the top of the list. They gave her a house. Over here, a nice house. God did that in a ma- from, from uh, when September to, I mean, it was a matter of two or three months, right? Is that right, girls? See, God can turn your, your stuff around, amen? He can turn it around. But if you're not cheerful, see, she got mad when somebody first said that. And if we're that, you know, if we're like the victim, well, I shouldn't be the one giving. I mean, they should be given to me. And we hear it all the time. People say, you should be given to me. I shouldn't have to be given. You should be given to me. Well, David and I could have said that those first years we were in Canada with no salary, with no food. Our, a closet was our refrigerator and our milk froze in the closet because there was no insulation in that little shack. We could have said, we're going home. If these people can't give to us, we're going home. But we knew God called us, and we knew God was faithful. And you know, the scripture says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. And so you might not have money to give, but you've got something to give. Everybody's got a seed to sow. Everybody. So God says, he, he will increase us to be liberal. Amen? To be liberal. Uh, one, one day I was sitting in, right over there in the service, and uh, God, God said something to me. He said, he, he said, you know, there's people that are always saying, God, you got to come through right now. You know, you got to, I need this right now. God, I need this. And they're talking about money. They needed money right now. God said, they're always telling me, I'm just sitting there minding my own business. And he says, they're always telling me I need to come through right now, but they don't even show up for church on time. They're always late. Now, I'm not looking at anybody. God is never late. But we have to be faithful in what we have to. Amen? We have to be faithful. Praise the Lord. So let's, I want to show you something. The, you remember the story about Jesus watching them give offering? Now, if you're a visitor here today or if you've just started coming, you probably think it's strange to bring your offering up front. I mean, we've had people that left because they, they didn't like that. You know, we're not doing it so we can see what you're giving or who's giving. In fact, if you're a visitor, you know, we just want you to just enjoy yourself. We don't expect you to do anything. We expect you just to be loved on. Amen? We want to give to you. But we bring our offering not for, so men can see. We give it because we feel like it's a, a time of worship. We come to the altar with our sacrifices, with our offerings. Amen? It's worship. So, so you know, it, it's just a misunderstanding. But obviously, Jesus didn't have a problem. 
Now, Pastor Jonathan doesn't stand up here with the guitar looking. <laughs> he doesn't even know what you give. Like, he doesn't go look at your offerings or, you know. But it wouldn't be wrong if he did, but we don't. He doesn't. So, <clears throat> Jesus was watching them give their offerings. Remember that? Let's read it. Luke 2. Um, Luke 21. While Jesus was in the temple, starts with verse 1. He watched the rich people dropping their gifts in the collection box. Then a poor widow came by and dropped the two small coins. I tell you the truth, Jesus said, this poor widow has given more than all the rest of them, for they have given a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she has. I always think about my mama when I read that. My mama gave all the time. But she, you know what, she didn't know how to believe for harvest until her very last years. She sold Avon so she could get in people's houses and pray for them. <laughs> so she had a heart attack. Actually, she said seven heart attacks in one day. And God brought her back to life. She had uh, stage four cancer and God brought her back. But anyway, I went down there to help her after she got out of the hospital and so I said, uh, okay, Mama, I'll deliver your Avon for you. Like, because she wasn't able to do that. So I said, let's pray over your Avon that God will give us orders and you'll, you'll be blessed. And she went, oh, no, don't do that. I don't care if I make any money. I just want to get in the house and pray for her. I said, Mama, you can do both. You can make some money and pray for her. No, no, no. I don't want to do this with God thinking I'm doing this to make money. You see, she didn't have that in her that God wanted her to be blessed. But I tell you, when I went to those houses and I knocked on the door and I said, I'm Viola's daughter. I bought your Avon order. Would you like to, you know, look at the catalog and make an order? You know what most of them said? We don't even like Avon. We love your mama, so we just order something so she'll come back. <laughs> it was working from both ends. Worked good for both of them, amen? But God says to this woman, she gave everything she had. See, it's not what you give. It's not the quantity. It's, it's, it's your quality. It's what you give. It's, it's equal sacrifice, not equal giving. Do you understand? So I brought today, I have a... This, this coin is a widow's mite that was, this was used in that time. How do I know that? Because I have a brother that's an expert. I don't. But I told him I wanted a widow's mite. And uh, so he said, I'm going to get you one, and it won't be in perfect condition. I want to get you one that we can prove was used in that time that Jesus was talking about. So this was used in that time, this little widow's mite. And you, I'm going to leave it up here, and anybody can come look at it after the service. Uh, don't take it now, but you can look at it. <laughs> Unless God tells me to give it to you, then I will. <laughs> but I, I thought the interesting thing, this is a widow's mite from back, you know, 2016 years ago, or around that time. You would think it'd be worth a whole lot of money. I was ready to pay a lot of money. So I asked my brother, now just, okay, because I thought I could only get one. 
How much, how much am I going to have to pay for this? He said, well, you know, I, I'm going to go to this coin show, and I can, you know, I, they always have them. I, I can find them. I said, well, how much? Like, I'm thinking hundreds, you know. I'm ready because I always wanted a widow's mite. <laughs> he said, oh, they run from 30 to $50. A coin that's over 2,000 years old, you can get for 30 to $50. Does that tell you how much it was not worth? I mean, it, it didn't have much worth then. didn't have much worth now. But it was all she had. It's not what's worth. It's what you have. See, God wants your heart. The Bible says that where your heart is, that's where your treasure will be. I remember being in a service. This is when we used to write checks. You remember those days? Some of you still do that. I do it occasionally. But in those days, we wrote checks, you know, to the grocery store, to the whatever. And the preacher said, okay, I want everybody to get out your checkbooks. I want you to look at your checkbooks. And by that, you'll see where your money goes, where your treasure is. If your treasure is showing, you know, uh, well, in those days, it was like uh, Walmart. If you see Walmart checks, through, that's where your treasure is. And it was a real wake-up call for me because I realized, you know what? If I looked at my spending, does my giving outweigh or outnumber what my other expenditures are? And then this morning, as I was just praying for the service, I was thinking about the tithe, you know. And some people today say, well, you know, that was Old Testament, and I don't have time to talk, and that's actually more Pastor Jonathan should do that. But uh, it, it's, not, it's not part of the law. It came before the law. And we see in the New Testament, Jesus said, he held up a coin. This is a Roman coin. He said, whose picture's on this? It wasn't this coin, but another coin. He says, you render under Caesar what's Caesar's, and under God what's God. So he's saying there is something, there is money that's God's. Isn't it? But it, it's not, you don't have to tithe. And some people say, if you don't tithe, you'll have a curse on you. No. Malachi 3 says, let's just open it. Let's look at that real quick. We've got a few minutes. Malachi 3, verse 8. Uh, this is out of the New Living Translation. Should people cheat God? What's the answer to that? No. <laughs> of course not. Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You have cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. See, that's a, there's a difference between your tithe and your offerings. There's two different things. You are under a curse for your whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Then he talks about he'll rebuke the devourer for our sake. So someone says, do, do we have to tithe? No. But you don't have to have the windows of heaven open for you either. You see, there is a blessing in tithing. And if we had time, I could ask people to stand up and tell me 
You know, we tithe out of our business. We tithe out of our own account. And, and how many can just raise your hand right now and say, I know tithing works. That's a lot of people. You know, that's, that's a lot for a church. Because statistically, there's not a lot of tithers. But I remember we learned to tithe as children. But that when I got out on my own and I had a small salary, I was working for a ministry, didn't make much. And I had to pay for a car payment and I had to pay rent. I didn't eat much because I was working all the time. But I didn't have anybody that's going to give me any money to get me out, you know. And I remember I quit tithing because I said I don't have enough money. I, I looked at what came in and what was going out, and I said, I, I don't have enough money. Now, now I'm mature. I, would, I should have said, get rid of the car, do something. So I didn't give my tithe for about six months. My pastor in those days was Jerry Savelle. And so one day he preached on it, and I was just convicted. Like, oh, God. But then I tried to reason with God. You ever try to reason with God? Oh, God, I'm so sorry, but you know. I just don't have enough money to do that. You know that. And then Brother Savelle said, you do it by faith. And I thought, okay. But then I'm thinking, do I have to make up what I haven't done? <laughs> well, I really don't have that much money. <laughs> but I said to the Lord, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm asking you to help me. I don't know how you can do it, but I'm asking you to help me make up what I didn't do. I can't tell you how it happened. I just know it happened that I did it. And I never quit tithing after that because I saw God start prospering me. I saw the things start getting paid for. I, started, I saw people start giving things to me when I needed it. Amen? It works. But you got to do it by faith because your, your brain will never agree with it. So you, you know what? Our spirit's supposed to take authority over our flesh. Isn't that right? So I just encourage you to tell your brain, okay, we're not going to talk about that. And then you just do what God says. Amen. Do it God's way and he'll prosper you. So let me just read you this. Uh, there's a scripture, and I don't remember where it is, that says that he was rich, but for your sake he became poor so that you through his poverty might become rich. There again, people pick it out and say, that's just talking about money. No, it's not talking just about money. I'm rich in, in, in love. I'm rich in the relationships. I'm rich in, I'm rich in a lot of ways. But it, it's not, not talking about money either. Some, some uh, Christians are just afraid to say rich. They go, rich. You know, some people say, oh, that church over there, they just want your money. <laughs> we don't go to McDonald's. Do you ever get in McDonald's over here and get in the line and say, when they say, you know, may I help you? You just want my money. <laughs> they do want your money. God wants your heart. God doesn't want your money. He wants your heart. But your heart is connected to your money. And so if you can let go of your money, God can get your heart. And I, th I you know what? I am so thankful. This, this church is a giving church. We, 
we are a giving church, but like I said, we don't pat our backs and get prideful. If we start getting prideful, you know, we'll be like those Pharisees that would stand on the corner and say, oh, I'm fasting. You ever fasted and you wanted everybody to know you're fasting? I'd like to go to dinner, but I'm fasting. I would invite you over, but I'm fasting. <laughs> he says, you got your reward already. Listen, if I'm going to fast, I want the reward of God. Because <laughs> it's not the easiest thing to do, right? So praise the Lord. He says he was rich, but he became poor. Jesus left streets of gold. He left glory. I'm telling you, we don't have anything to compare. When we, when we built this church, that road out there was, was gravel. And we kept wanting to get it uh, paved. But the neighbors didn't want pavement. They would vote against it every time. We don't want pavement. Why should a church want to put asphalt down? Because our God puts gold. We just are asking for asphalt. <laughs> we, just want, we just want asphalt. But see, that's a poverty mentality. I was raised with a poverty mentality. But I was also raised with people that gave. But I always thought we had to be poor. So you have to understand that God wants you to understand he's already done everything so that you could be rich in all things. Amen? He says, I get, here, let me see, where are we? Let me just see if I can find this one place here. This is still in uh, first Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians 8. Remember, uh, oh, i got to hurry. He's talking about the church of Macedonia. You hear this. This is read a lot of times during offering. But it says, remember, they were very poor in Macedonia. Very poor. Now, side, side thing, I told you I was, think, I was praying over this this morning and, and I thought about the tithe. And I thought how I've been, I've been real good about giving 20% to um, restaurants for tips. I, I, I do that almost all the time. Uh, I would say all the time, but I don't want to, I might have missed it. I think we did 18% last week because it was always on the bill, but 20%. And I was standing there and I was praying about this morning. And I said, Lord, I don't even think about that. But I need to make sure I give you at least 20%. If that's what I'm, you know, we're not supposed to tip God. We're supposed to give to him. Amen? That's a side note. 2 Corinthians says that, verse 2, that in a great ordeal of affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. That doesn't even make sense, does it? Read it again. Their abundance of joy and their deep poverty. Most people that are in deep poverty are not full of joy. But they were not only full of joy, but it says it overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. For I testify according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord, begging us with much urging. I think about Sister Ben begging us. Begging us with much urging for the favor of participation in the support of the saints. That church in Macedonia had, had a secret weapon, didn't they? Paul didn't want to take their money. Just like we didn't want to take Sister Ben's money, Miss Puck's money. We didn't want to take her money. 
But she begged us. They begged us. But I've gone to many places in missions that they don't even think about giving us any money. They want us to come and give them money. They say, you're from North America, you give us money. Well, we do, and we do it gladly, and we do it with joy. But I remember Kim, Kim was the, she's the only one that ever came back from a church, and they gave her an offering. We all go out every Sunday, and, and remember that? That was a few years back. And uh, Now, these are people in deep poverty, but they haven't got a hold of the truth that they need to learn to give. When we had Loon Lake and we didn't have any money and the Burks came up, do you know what? David and Brownie believed God for money to give them an honorary. They didn't want to take it, but we said, we need to give it. This church needs to give. And so I remember after, the, after lunch, Kim comes back and we're all reporting what God did in our meetings because we all go to different churches every Sunday. And Kim gives, you know, has this, all this money. They gave me this here. She's giving it to us, to, you know, to use in the ministry. You remember that? I said, what'd you do? I never get an offering. <laughs> well, I could, get, I could have what I say, don't I? But you see, they have to learn that they need to give too. So praise the Lord. This is what the church of Macedonia did. So we urged Titus that he had previously made a beginning so he would also complete in you this gracious work as well. But just as you abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge and all earnestness and in the love we inspired in you, see that you abound in this gracious work also. I am not speaking this as a command, but as proving through the earnestness of others the sincerity of your love also. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he were poor, he, though he were rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that you through his poverty might become rich. I give my opinion in this matter for this is to your advantage. Do you hear that? He says it's to your advantage to give. <clears throat> Who were the first to begin a year ago not only to do this but also to desire to do it. But now finish doing it also so that just as there was this readiness to desire it, so there also may be the completion of it by your ability. In other words, sometimes we, we have a readiness. We want to give. You know, it's in us. I want to give. You ever had that? God speaks to you in your prayer time. Oh, I'm going to do that, God. And then you forget about it. He's saying, you had the readiness. Now you have to go ahead. Go ahead and do it. Oh, hallelujah. One time, David and I were in a service. We didn't have any money. Ah, we might have had $100 or something. I don't know. But we're in this meeting, and God says, give $1,000. Well, we didn't believe in writing bad checks. So we're like, okay. He told it to me, and then I thought, I didn't hear God because we don't even have $1,000. I, said, I turned to Dave and I said, what did God say you were supposed to give? He said, $1,000. I said, we don't have $1,000. Why would God ask us to give $1,000? We don't have $1,000. David said, I don't know, but we'll get $1,000. He said, we will, we'll write a pledge. and we'll, That's what God said. That's what we'll do. So the preacher says, everybody you know, that's giving, I want you to come to the front with your envelope. I felt like a fraud. You ever done that? I felt like I'm, a, I'm lying. 
We, brought our, we didn't hold ours up. We were holding it like this. Because we knew there was not $1,000 in that envelope. We put what we had, but we didn't have 1000 So I remember we brought it up, and the preacher said, I've never heard this, never heard it since. The preacher said, okay, all of you, God tells me that he told you to give an amount that you didn't have. But he sees you come up because your heart is willing. Now go back. You can keep the money. God just wanted to see where your heart was. Was I so glad we went up? (laughs) We passed the test, David. We passed. God wants our heart. He wants us to honor. It's honoring when we give to God. That's why we bring our offerings up. We're honoring God. We're not, you know, we're not saying, okay, let's take the offering. Let, you know, pass the plates fast. Let's get that through with. We don't do that. We honor God. We come up. We tell you to take your time. We don't care how long it takes. Take your time. It's your time with God. It's important. It's important. He said, But for if the readiness is present, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. For this is not for the ease of others or for your affliction, but by way of equality. At this present time, your abundance being a supply for their need. So that their abundance also may become, he's talking to the Corinthian church now. He's saying you have an abundance, so it's going to be a supply for their need. It is written, he who gathered much did not have too much, and he who gathered little had no lack. We're not communists. Somebody said, okay. (laughs) Why'd she say that? We're not not saying, okay, everybody bring your money, we're going to put it all together. Because it's free will. It's you You purpose in your heart. There's been so many wrong things that have been taught, you know, that, you know, you have to report to the pastor what you make and they have to keep those things. You know what? It's not my business. I'm not going to criticize it. It's not my business. But my business is that I understand that we are to teach you how you can give and receive, amen, and how you can honor God. And so that you know you're not just paying a God bill when you bring your tithes and your offerings. You don't put him up there with the electric bill and the gas bill. That's an honor to give to God. It's an honor to give to God. And I thank God, you know, the first year we were here and we went, we were in Canada. And we went to, you know, we had to pay our taxes. And so we went to an accountant because we didn't know how to do Canadian taxes. And the guy says, you didn't make enough to live. I said, well, we're living. And we're doing fine. He said, are you reporting all your, oh, yeah. (laughs) That's it. I think we made $5,000 our first year here. $5,000. I don't even know how that came in. I, I I can't remember. But I remember he said, you're way below poverty line. (laughs) Well, thanks. We needed to hear that. (laughs) So what did he do? He whips out this little form and he says, you need to sign this. What is that? This is a vow of poverty. If you sign this, you don't have to pay certain taxes because you're a preacher. A vow of poverty? 
<laughs> we went, no. <laughs> he said, don't preachers do this all the time. You just sign this. You won't have to pay certain taxes. It's about poverty. Well, that might explain why a lot of preachers are poor. The Bible says you don't make a vow unless you're going to keep that vow. Well, I didn't want to keep that vow. So we said to him, you know what? God takes care of us. Next year we'll come back and we'll have more. But our heart, we said, we're going to give more than we made those first years. And that came to pass. Why? Because God's faithful. Amen. I want you to know God's faithful. If you're believing God for finances, there is a way to do it God's way. And I'm thankful that a lot of you are already doing this. But if you're not, this is to help you understand God wants you out of debt. We pray for you to be out of debt. You know that scripture that talks about training up a child in the way they should go and when they're old they'll not depart from it? You know in context what that's saying? It's talking about, oh, no man, anything but to love him. It's all in context. They're in Proverbs. Train, you need to train your children not to go in debt. How to believe God, Amen. It's, it is discipline. You're not in sin if you owe money. You're not in sin if you're in debt. Don't even take that from this message. Because God wants you out, not because it's a sin, but because he wants you where you can give when you want to. When God gave, showed us that land next door and said, okay, it's time to buy, I was so thankful we didn't have to come and beg you guys to give money. Because you'd already been given. Consistent giving. The money was already there. Amen? Now, we're going to have projects that we're going to have to, you know, put our faith together. And we will have to say, you know, we're believing God for this or whatever. It's not wrong. But I want to tell you that we are so thankful that we have givers in this church. But we want all of us. The Bible talks about that they all had no lack. There was no poor among them. When they went into the promised land, it said their shoes didn't wear out, their clothes didn't wear out for 40 years. See, that's, that's prosperity too when your stuff doesn't break. Isn't it? That's part of the blessing, amen? So we want you blessed. We want you blessed. So God will show you what to do with your money. We're not saying you have to give your tithe to this church or whatever. If this isn't your church, don't give it to this church. You give your, your tithe where you get fed. Amen? Simple as that. But be a blesser. Amen? Be liberal. Hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet.